What's happening, folks? Welcome to Throwing Stones alongside Ryan Griffin. I'm Matt Basson. If you don't know by now, you definitely should know. We talking hoops and not just our beloved Pistons. And before we get into everything, including all the draft news, the Eastern Conference Finals, the Western Conference Finals, Max Christie news, NBA expansion, got to remind you guys to like and subscribe everywhere that you can find us. That would be Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, full episodes on YouTube, as well as DetroitSportsNation.com. D- uh, phew. Ryan, uh, NBA draft is still about a month away, and already like six, seven, eight, nine teams talking about trading their draft stock and getting out of where they want to be, uh, where they are, and moving to somewhere else. It's it's crazy. We're you know we've got one of the top four teams talking about getting out of there. We got a team with two draft picks talking about getting out of there. Meanwhile, our Pistons are sitting there going, "How can we get inside that top three pick?" <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of movement that at least it's reported that teams want to happen. Whether it's Sacramento trying to move on from the four pick or the Blazers trying to move on from the seven pick, I don't know that either would necessarily get the Pistons in position to get a top three pick. But if you can get the four, you can get the seven. That's still something that I'm interested in doing because I want to see the Pistons have multiple swings at it. There's no guarantee the fifth pick is going to be better than whoever they take at seven. So give them two shots at it, and the the real, I guess, question is where do you meet in the middle, right? Because I think every Piston fan would be fine with just giving up Jeremy Grant and getting up a top 10 pick. But if you're the Kings or you're the Blazers or you're maybe another team that hasn't even been mentioned yet, is Jeremy Grant enough for you to give up that pick? And then for the Pistons, now what else can you throw in on top of it? Uh, it probably not going to include Sadiq Bey in anything. Probably not even going to include Isaiah Stewart in anything, honestly. And then if you're just going to move up to four, is five plus Jeremy Grant worth getting only four back? And it really depends on who's going to be there. I think any of these trades that you're going to see, specifically like a trade for four, I think you'd have to wait until draft day to see kind of how the board falls. If the uh, if the Rockets at three end up, say they pass on Bancaro or who or whatever one of the big three is left, and they end up taking Jaden Ivey or Shane Sharp or whoever at three, and then you have one of those top three guys at four, that's where I think the Pistons become a, a player in that conversation because everything else, it just seems too far on one end. Like a team definitely wouldn't do that duel, but wouldn't do that deal. Like that, I think... Jeremy Grant is not enough to get the fourth pick back. And I think Jeremy Grant and number five is too much just to go up to number four if the top three uh, guys that we all expect are going to go are going to go. So it's really wait and see for a really number four pick. Number seven, you can probably get a deal done a little bit earlier because you know one of those guys aren't going to end up falling to seven. And then, you know, can Portland, I guess, throw anything in extra to sweeten the pot. Well, they have to. I would trade Jeremy straight up for seven. Uh, but is that something that the Blazers would want to do? You know, would, would they want some extra sweetener from the Pistons or something? So I think that's the most interesting part of these teams. And at least from the Pistons' perspective, you know, can they get another top 10 pick? Can they kind of maneuver around? Is really, I think there's just like, like a gap in, val- in value between the fan bases. The Pistons fan base, and then name the fan base on the other side on what they think kind of fair comp for uh, the you know their pick. So 
when I saw Oklahoma City was one of these teams that was looking to trade their pick, I got excited because I was like, hold on, they got the two pick. So, and the breeding like, no, nope, no, they want to trade the 12th pick. But got me thinking, is there a way we can change that to the two pick? So if they offer Jeremy Grant and the number five pick to Oklahoma City, who already has the 12th pick, maybe we can get the two pick out of there. Now they have five and 12, and we're back inside the top three where we basically have the player of our choosing outside of probably Chet, who's probably going number one. But everybody else is still available on the board, and now we're not stuck with missing out on the top three who have been the namesake guys for this draft the the last three months. Yeah, but if you're Oklahoma City, what like what do you want with Jeremy Grant? You know what I mean? Like if you're going to trade the number two pick, you're probably going to go, what do you mean, what do I mean? But you mean oh, you they want Jeremy Grant. Grant and the number five pick. You get in a so, stud small what, forward. What good does that do? Forward, whatever position he ends up playing. <laughs> what good does that do you? What do you mean? He's sick. He, drop, he can give you 25 points a game. He's never once in his life has he scored 25 <laughs> points a game. And this is certainly not going to happen in in Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, when you still have to get guys like Josh Giddy and Shea Gilgis the ball. So, I, again, I just don't think the Thunder would do that. And if you're a Pistons fan, I'm sure you're like, oh, of course the Thunder would do that. So, I just think there's a massive golf in value. I don't see any reason the Thunder would want to do that, though. If the Thunder were going to move on from number two, they'd probably swing for somebody bigger, right? Whether, you know, maybe even literally bigger. If Zion decides that he's done with New Orleans, and then the Thunder come here offering the number two pick, and now, you know, Zion or whoever else side and trade with Aiden, although uh number two pick you probably value a little bit more than deandre Aiden at this point and we'll just have to see i think there's a whole off season of craziness that can be had and if the thunder were looking to trade the two pick then i think there's a, a lot bigger names they can grab than jeremy grant all right well there's a ton of names and a ton of teams that are all involved in, in looking to get rid of of some of their picks, like we mentioned before, Oklahoma City looking to trade the 12th overall pick. They got that in the Paul George deal with the Clippers. Uh, you also got San Antonio, who's looking and the ninth pick. Charlotte holding the 13th overall. They're both teams looking to trade up as well. The Spurs, the Hornets are more than willing to go after guys. You know, we've seen it before with Pop. Uh, Minnesota holding the 19th pick, and they're looking at trying to trade up as well. There's a whole bunch of stuff of guys trying to move up. Most of them, a couple teams trying to move back. Uh, does this, do you, with the, with the Kings one, especially the Kings in the fourth spot, do you think that has any effect on what the Pistons are going to end up doing, trying to do? Do you think another team comes in and just takes the exact same player? The Kings kind of look like they're set at the position that most people think who are going to be taking a fourth. So does this affect how the Pistons go about their business? Whoever is picked at fourth will definitely affect how the Pistons go about their business because they have the fifth pick. And it, it came out, reported, the Pistons are looking at four players at number five, and they're the four players most people have been talking about mm-hmm. with, you know, Mather and Ivy, Sharp, and, and Keegan Murray. So no surprise there. Whoever the Kings pick or whoever picks at four, even if it's not the Kings, even if it's somebody else, that's going to eliminate one of those players off the board you would at least think so unless they take, you know, AJ Griffin or Jalen Dern or, or something like that. And they just surprise everybody. But 
it'll affect it in the case that it'll take one of the Pistons guys off the board. It might take the top guy off the board, you know, depending just on who it is, if them and the Kings have the same guy ranked, you know, higher than the rest, I guess. But I think the Pistons will keep an eye on what happens at four. And like I said, I think they'll even be in on number four sweepstakes if the Kings would just do like Jeremy for four uh, straight up or Jeremy and, I don't know, somebody else. I think Kelly Olenek might still have a, a you know a year or something left on his deal. So maybe the Kings want to do that. They're looking for a, a win-now veteran. So I think the Pistons will be in on it, and whatever the Kings do at four will have to affect them just because, you know, really of the, of the domino effect in that it takes one of the guys off the board and it affects what other teams will do behind them if somebody tries to entice the Pistons to trade down because their guy falls to number five or something. Well, one of the guys hoping to hear his name heard on on draft day just got done finishing his first and only year now at East Lansing, Michigan State's own Max Christie. Uh, Ryan, you and I spent the whole year watching this kid, and I think we both came to the same conclusion by the end of the year that we can't wait to see this kid come back and, you know, grow a little bit more. (laughs) And, well, that ain't happening anymore. So (laughs) projected to be an end-of-the-first-round pick, uh, one of the teams that I that I was hearing uh, that might end up grabbing him I already have a couple Spartans on their squad in Triple J and X, the Memphis Grizzlies. Can we get three Spartans on one squad, Ryan? You could. It's certainly possible. You know, those guys I'm sure would put in a good war- word for them, even though they never played with them. But I'm sure they've been back to the practice facility or around the team or whatever the case is. And it was a really peculiar decision, I guess, for Max Christie to stay in the NBA, uh, stay in the NBA draft and not come back to school when I think most people thought that he wasn't ready to make that leap yet. But the best way to get ready for the NBA, I guess, is by playing in the NBA. And he is going to get at least that opportunity, you know, whether he starts off in the G League, he probably will, depending on where he's picked. But then you spend all that time playing basketball anyway. You don't have to worry about going to class or homework or whatever whatever the case is that he's doing up there in, in East Lansing. And he's betting on himself. I hope it works out for him. I hope he's closer to, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., although he was picked way higher than he is like Deontay Davis, which sounds like the type of area where Max Christie will be picked. So he's not going to have as much stock into him as, uh, as Devontae Davis did. But we – we will obviously see. I thought he was going to come back. I was hyped for him to come back. And I think he got a, a bit of a bad rap at Michigan State. If I was going to guess, he probably thought the offense was going to be a little bit different or he had a bigger role on the offense and then saw how the year went. And it's like, ah, just if if I'm not – if he feels like he's not going to be able to get better this next year at Michigan State because of just how, I guess, the offense is, is run and if he doesn't feel like he utilizes his skills – the best way then you know go to the nba go to the g league and get those reps kind of there in in front of teams in front of scouts all the time in front of uh you know coaches all the time it's a pretty good coach so i really don't know like i said i wish them the best i thought again it was uh uh um I don't know. I don't want to say like a crazy decision, but yeah, definitely surprising. And then it seemed like it was trending that way for a little bit anyway. And I still just felt like, like, I know it's what people are saying and he's trending in that direction, but I just couldn't, I I don't see how, you know, 
like it helped his game or he felt like he was ready. But uh, again, you know, he's going to be taking this whole time playing basketball and maybe he unlocks something these first couple years that he's probably not going to get a whole lot of playing time. And then he's able to develop, you know, develop and have a solid career. It feels like the, the G league has just kind of changed things in general. You know, it used to be, if you were getting told again and again and again, you are a lottery pick, you were leaving to go to the NBA draft. And if you were beginning of the second round, maybe the end of the first round, generally, if you had years of eligibility left, especially if you were a freshman or maybe even a sophomore, you thought coming back to college was a good idea. You get a little more seasoning, you build your body more, all that. And that was the way it was. That's the way life was for those coming out of college into the NBA once you didn't have to wait so many years to do it. And now with the G League and really, you know, the NBA really taking interest. Because when the G League was the D League, the NBA really didn't take that much interest in it. And Gatorade got involved as a sponsor. D League becomes G League. Money gets behind it. Now you get your, you know, you're seeing a lot more promotion for the G League than you did when it was the D League. Uh, <laughs> and you know, you're not stuck to, you know, if you are playing for the drive, it's not only the team that's behind the drive that can bring you up. You know, the M- any, you know any NBA team has that ability. It's you know, whatever they work out contract wise on those two way contracts. So it seems like this is a spot where Max will most likely end up. I'd be surprised if we're going to see him on a roster, you know, next year, you know, right away. Uh, yeah. It was a surprising, <laughs> you know, decision for me as well. I, I thought he should have come back. It's his life and he has every right to make the decision he wants to make. But, you know, we saw glimpses of what he could do. You know, especially a little bit earlier in the season, we saw a couple of great games from him, but it never really ascended from there. And I don't know if that's Izzo and the way he runs his offense, or if that was Max and him just not taking control of the situation the way that Izzo wanted it to. I'm not in those conversations. I'm not in that locker room. But, you know, you look at his numbers and you're, you know, if all you're doing is, you know, scoreboard watching and you see this kid average nine points a game in college, you know, three and a half rebounds and one and a half assists, you're going, what the heck are you doing even trying to go to the NBA? But, you know, what you say makes a lot of sense as well, where you are the competition level you're playing against, who you're sitting in front of, who you're playing in front of, you know, and the ability to make that jump immediately without having to deal with being a student. If you didn't have no interest in being a student, I don't know why you'd want to fake it. That just sounds like a really boring time (laughs) to me. Uh, It's just, it is surprising, though. I really wanted him to come back to Michigan for selfish reasons as well, obviously. I wanted him to come back to Michigan State and help the Spartans win. So, but Yeah, they'd be a way better team if you came back. Right, exactly. And just like you, I do wish him nothing but the best, and I hope we hear his name called on the first day, and I hope that he, you know, does the right things, makes the right steps to have a good career and not be one of the many, you know, Spartans who left when they shouldn't have and flamed out in the NBA. Yeah, um, all all the best to Mr. Christie and praying for Michigan State's basketball team next year. (laughs) Ooh, and not not looking solid right now. Doesn't sound like they're going to do anything to improve either. So, well, we got we got players that we you know we got other players besides Max Christie that we watched that we you know we have hopes for for this upcoming year. And all this means is now those guys are going to get a little more PT. <laughs> so, yep, a lot more PT. <laughs> Nine scholarship players or something. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Well, uh, about, what, 70 miles southwest of East Lansing, 
Ann Arbor, where Jawan Howard is staying as the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines, spurning LeBron James, Rob Polinka, and the Los Angeles Lakers, as he has apparently no interest, uh, even though the Lakers never actually made a formal offer, but he has no interest in leaving the the chance to coach both of his sons, Jason Jett, next season. Uh, Jawan Howard staying at Michigan. The Lakers' uh, embarrassing coaching search continues, Ryan. Yeah, is it was like a weird time for it to come out too, because that report came out after it, the Lakers had already uh, narrowed it down to like two finalists, whether it was Terry Stotts and Darvin Ham, or maybe it was those two names and like a pool of others that just that weren't name by name. And then you know, two days later, it's Juwan Howard turns down an overture to be the Lakers head coach, which is basically, like you said, it's not the job offer. It's just saying, like, hey, is this something you'd be interested in even discussing further? And he was like, no. So that's cool. They can leave it there. And then, again, it's a weird, like, more leaks coming out that LeBron and AD were making impassioned pleas to him on the phone. And I... I don't know. Like, I'm not up here to say it's not true. But, like, like a, a plea? I know him and LeBron are boys. It could have just been a phone call. Like, hey, <laughs> it'd be cool if you came and rocked with us. And Juwan was like, no, you know how you want to play with your sons? I want to coach with my sons. And, like, that seems to me like more how the conversation went than them, like, begging Juwan Howard to, to grace the Los Angeles Lakers with his presence or something. So, I, I don't know. I think that whole story and just like the timeline of it is strange but we talked about it uh, maybe like two months ago Uh, I think on one of our very first shows was the possibility of Juwan coaching the Lakers and I feel like I feel I feel like I still felt um at that point which is you're you're definitely way more likely to get fired from the Lakers than you are from Michigan you probably have way more pull in Ann Arbor than you're going to in Los Angeles but I don't know. It's still coaching the Lakers, and I think you have a better shot to win a title coaching in Los Angeles than you do coaching basketball at Michigan. Um, and last year wasn't a great year for Michigan. I know they made it to the Sweet 16, so they you know they were able to show out a little more in the tournament than they did in the regular season. But it was still a team that was 17 and 14, so I wasn't super impressed by the job that anybody did. Juwan obviously got suspended for the last handful of games there, and, uh, and Martelli you know, t- took over at the end of the regular season. But uh, I don't know. Like in – and for Juwan, I will say, here's where I think it's a smart choice. The Lakers obviously aren't a great job uh, in name, terrific job. But if you looked at it on paper, no. And you get to coach your sons. And Juwan knows there's going to be a spot in the NBA always for him. He was an assistant for a couple years there with the Heat. He obviously played for a long time. He's going to have probably a pretty good college coaching resume. You know, there might not be a national championship on it, but it'll be pretty uh you know it'll be pretty well he'll be highly regarded and you know his connection to lebron him and lebron are always going to be friends you know lebron i know he wants to be like an owner one day and he'll still probably have different connections to these front offices uh along with you know clutch sports and rich paul and everything else so i think when juan wants to make the nba jump he won't have any trouble with it a job like the Lakers might not always be available. And while I, I still think like, Hey, it's the Lakers. You should at least hear him out. If there was ever a time to turn down the Lakers job. 
now is the time. And uh, I think Juwan saw that, and of course he wants to coach his sons. And, and you know, how could you blame him for that? No, definitely can't blame him for that. Yeah. And you're, you know, but what you say makes sense. The math plays out at the very least. That look, how many teams are there in the NBA? 30, 32. The chances of make of winning an NBA championship are a heck of a lot better. There's be less 32. teams in the actual entire league than make the college basketball playoffs, the NCAA tournament. So the math absolutely rings true of your chances of winning a championship are a lot better in the NBA in general, but especially when you are the helm of one of the standard organizations for the NBA in the Los Angeles Lakers. Granted, it's a little bit of a mess right now. <laughs> I mean, it's an understatement. Generally, if you win a championship, you don't usually get fired two years later. It, you know, doesn't it didn't used to happen that often, uh, and you know, this clearly, obviously, happened to Greg Vogel. Uh, you know, I, I think LeBron messed up here. Right. I think AD messed up here. Uh, you know, they should have taken it further. They should have pulled a CP3 and a Blake Griffin and, you know, locked themselves into <laughs> Howard's house and don't let the man leave while, you know, the Michigan AD drives around the block trying to get in touch with him. <laughs> Well, if it's Michigan AD, it'd be uh, Xavier Simpson in his car. It wouldn't be him. <laughs> that DeAndre Jordan story is still one of the wildest things I ever heard. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> the NBA is expanding, Ryan, for the first time in 20 years. You know, of actual expansion, not including the Sonics moving from Seattle to Oklahoma City. But the NBA hasn't added new teams in 20 years. And it looks like after 2024, when the the latest, what is it, collective bargaining agreement, basically, ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, no, the, the media rights deal, excuse me, the media rights deal ends in 2024. It look, It's looking like the NBA is going to be adding a team in Las Vegas, which just sounds like a wonderfully bad idea. <laughs> and they are most likely returning to the Seattle area as been reported that yeah. uh, Mackenzie Scott, the ex-wife of uh, Jess, Jeff Bezos, uh, is interested in potentially owning an NBA <laughs> team. Super. She wants to be the first female owner that didn't have the team left to her by her husband. Mm. Mm. So good Take for that, her. Martha. Absolutely. Um, and I guess one of the areas that they were looking to move that, you know, to do that with was uh, – Seattle, and she was told apparently that Seattle's going to have a team, so you can't move a team there if you buy a different team. Um, I'm all for it, I think. Uh, I was certainly for the Seattle, unless they don't go back to the Supersonics. I don't want anything to do with it. You don't return right? to that city. Don't you dare spit on those fans. Anything else. <laughs> Seattle Storm. It's like that WNBA team. And um. I'm excited for that, honestly, again, and I hope they do something really cool. I hope they keep the Sonics names and the colors so that all those, they'll probably make a new logo, but uh, I wouldn't, I like this logo, but just so all those diehard fans who still have that Sonics gear can show up to the game without looking foolish. They don't have to buy new team apparel. They can, they can wear the same things, you know, sprinkle a couple new jerseys on there and everybody's happy. So I'm really excited about that. And the Las Vegas team, I don't know how long until James Harden forces a way to this Las Vegas team, you know, name, name to be announced. And that's got to be the biggest home court advantage 
in the NBA by a country mile, way, way bigger than Denver in the high altitude because if teams coming to Las Vegas, uh, you got to at least, there's 41 home games a year, you got to win 38 of them. There's no excuse not to. If I'm a road team, if I'm a road coach, if I'm the coach of a team going to play in Las Vegas, I'm not flying my team in until the day of the game. I don't give a damn about practice. I ain't talking about practice. I don't care about practice. I care about keeping my guys off of any kind of trouble that the strip has to offer. So, no, nah, I don't care. We got a 730 tip. Cool. We landing in McCarran at 430, and we going straight to the arena. Straight to the arena. Straight. You can change on the bus. I don't care. You have not getting any free time to go hang out on the strip until the game is over. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be honestly just a record amount of like oh, everything. Tickets, arrest, <laughs> everything that Las Vegas has to offer. It's, it takes no, you can do times it by 10. You get the Vegas PD on the payroll if you're the new Las Vegas team, the Las Vegas Spades, let's call them. You get that. You get the PD on the Spades payroll, and then you say, just look for them. Go out to these clubs. We already know where they're going. It doesn't take more than two or three teams to come around to know, okay, this is where everybody's starting to go. Mm-hmm. Boom, hit them all with everything you got. This would be, honestly, a huge, a huge home court advantage. <laughs> <laughs> all for it. If I'm a coach, that's where Juwan needs to coach. Is in Las Vegas. Well, so but here, so I'm thinking now, you know, thinking actual logistically. So the two teams they're talking about are both going to be Western Conference teams. So does this mean the Minnesota Timberwolves move to the Eastern Conference? Yeah, I think you can move the Timberwolves there. Uh, I think you could probably move the Grizzlies there um, to the East. Well, and, they're more east than they, they. Memphis definitely more east than Minnesota. So, I mean, you can, you can move them both. Uh, honestly, now when see wrong with I don't know who else. Uh, yeah, Minnesota's only one hour behind us. They're in Central Time, and mm-hmm. I think Tennessee is the same time zone as us, I think or if not Central. It, it depends on which part of Tennessee you're in. Same thing with Kentucky and all that. Part of it's in one in the east, part of it's in the central. Yeah. So bring, but yeah, so they're gonna bring have them both to the east. Put the put the Timberwolves in the Pistons division. New rivalry. There you go. Boom. Anthony Edwards was Kate Cunningham for fifteen years. <laughs> All right, we got a couple games we got to get to before we get out of here. Uh, the Eastern and Western Conference Finals game four. So we were a little off, or I was a little off with our math, uh, Ryan, before we signed off uh, last week. I was hoping that we would have game four going on while we were talking, but nope, that already happened uh, on Monday. And uh, after a very weird game three uh, and injuries keeping a lot of guys out of game four, the Boston Celtics dominated from the start. It was like 14 to one or something like that in the first quarter. And then it just, it just, it wasn't a game. It was just held holding the heat off the rest of the way to tie this series at two. Uh, there were some uh, stars in attendance, Ryan, our very own Kate yeah. Cunningham and Beef Stew and Killian Hayes, all at the game, kind of taking it in and seeing what it's all about. And, uh, you know, hopefully in a few years leading us there or themselves. Yeah, hopefully they're more than just spectators. And uh, I, I knew I was a homer when it came to the Pistons. I didn't know I was this much of a homer because whenever I heard, uh, like, you know, uh, Stefan Diggs doing this after – 
they lost in the playoffs where he'd stay and watch the other team celebration. I was like, that's stupid. Go back in the locker room. But now, I get it. I'm all in. I love that they did this. And I love that, you know, it was four, well, five guys, if you include Casey, that ended up going there. And they didn't all go for that. I think Cade and Livers were already going to the game. And then Stewart and Killian uh, were in Boston because they had some type of meeting with with Puma. Um, And then Casey heard that his four guys were going to be there. And then he hopped on a plane. And he was like, all right, cool, me too. So um, uh, I love it, you know, getting that playoff atmosphere. And you kind of talk about speaking things into existence. They're there because they think they're going to be there someday. Or, you know, they already have that goal in mind, which if you're a Pistons fan, you can't help but to love. Like, there's nothing to hate on, you know, with this specific story or action or whatever, because it's everything that you want, right? It's hard. It's guys who are taking in the time to actually go and see what the playoff atmosphere is all about, what a high stakes playoff game is all about and looking at two obviously better teams than the Pistons are who both have you know stars in their own right whether it's Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Jimmy Butler, uh, Bam Adebayo, whoever and just gonna go and you know going to see what you know and to and really you just said taking it all in and uh, you know really <laughs> kind of trying to uh, absorb I guess the playoffs into their body. Hang on. So you're telling me that these five men, it was a chance meeting that they were all in Boston at this time, and they got those seats yeah. last minute. So that Conference that was my question Garden? too, because I think so. That's what I read, and I don't know what happened. Maybe they made a deal with whoever had those seats, right? If there are people who already had tickets, and they're like, "We will give you <laughs> whatever to uh, to help us out." Um, yeah, I don't exactly know how all of that worked. But, you know, maybe they made a call to the Celtics and whoever had those seats, the Celtics, they have them on speed dial because I'm sure they call them every year about season tickets and other things. They're like, hey, could you help us out? Da, da, da. So I don't know exactly how it all happened, but that's uh, that, that's the story that came up. Hmm. Yeah, see, I don't – because I'm going to tell you, from living in Boston and wearing a Pistons jersey in Boston <laughs> – they didn't like us. They were not fans of my jerseys. They did not like, and it wasn't just the Isaiah one. It wasn't just the bad boys. It was the same thing with the going to work. Now it wasn't as much vitriol, but I think it carries over from the eighties into the, you know, when we battled in the two thousands at the end of the two thousands, when Boston started coming back up, but they weren't fans. And so I'm surprised they helped us out at all. Cause we like their fifth most hated rival behind like the Lakers and the 76ers and the Knicks <laughs> and the heat and the LeBron Cavs are in there somewhere too. Like they were, they were not fans. Of the I'm right surprised in. they helped out at all. Well, uh, there's a difference between you and I wearing a Tayshawn Jersey and, you know, Kate Cunningham and Isaiah Stewart who are millionaires <laughs> going over there and, and asking some for, for some favors. I think they got a little bit more, uh, sway than we do maybe even the nba stepped in because i saw Cade with a microphone in his hand that said espn um i don't know if he was interviewed on espn if he was i missed that part but he had the microphone in his hand the espn mic so maybe the nba was like hey (laughs) we're gonna get this this whole team right here and then you know craft a story out of it so i don't know how it happened but i'm glad it did glad they're there they didn't stick them in the jerry bus seats in the boston garden it's right behind (laughs) them Right behind the foul pole, essentially. 
well, hopefully in about five years, they won't be able to be traveling anywhere to go watch someone else play the Eastern Conference Finals. They'll be hosting it. Uh, but let's get to the actual game itself. Ryan, what do you make of this series, man? I mean, we got blowouts and then blowouts and then blowouts and then blowouts. <laughs> what are we doing in this Eastern Conference Finals? And I don't know. A lot's kind of been made of like, well, at least before last game, the Heat only won two quarters, but they were up two games to one. Which, like, yeah, I guess, but if you're going to lose every quarter by three points and then win one quarter by 20 points, like, you're, you're still probably the better team that game, at least in my opinion. And uh, as all the games have been blowouts. There was a close game, I guess, in game three, even though one team was up by 25 or 26, or maybe it was game two, and then the other team came back and was down by one. Um, it was game three because Jason Tatum came in and ended up, you know, blowing the game in, like, the last five minutes. Yeah, when when him and Marcus Smart made their Willis Reed entrances separately, uh, I don't know. It's just tough. It you know for a couple times the teams couldn't make shots. Uh, last game, I know there's a huge free throw disparity um, as as well, which I bet the Heat weren't too happy about. But sometimes teams just can't shoot. I think Game Four was the oddest though because neither team could shoot, but Boston kept getting to the free throw line, and the Heat couldn't do you know, anything to counter it. You said, you know, they scored one point. It was 14 to one at one point. And I think even more embarrassing than that, they had one point after like the first eight minutes of the game. <laughs> like there's three minutes and change left in the first first quarter and they have one point to show for it. And from that point, you're probably thinking like, okay, this game is just out of reach. It's over. They're down, I think 25 or something and a half. Um, or maybe even just 20 and a half, maybe it wasn't quite 25. Regardless, it was a lot of points. A lot of points to come back from, and they weren't able to do it. And, you know, the game before, Jimmy Butler went out. Uh, so, I don't know. I think it's just a lot of weird nicks and bruises because even Tatum in the last game, you know, before he before he came back in, uh, obviously there's a reason he went out is because he was hurt. So, I don't really know what's going on and why these teams can't seem like they can play a close game with each other. Uh, maybe it's just the defense because it's not even necessarily like in any of these games, you know, both teams were playing good basketball and one was just playing way better. All these games have kind of been, you know, pretty ugly, like rock fights and just not, uh, not been a fun series to watch. So here's what the Boston side where people are saying, you know, that, you know, they think they're the better team, but the Celtics turned the ball over every fourth possession in game three, literally 25% of their possessions. They turned the ball over and in game one, they had, you know, four of their first six shots blocked. They turned the ball over, uh, you know, 15, 20 times. The number of steals that the heat have had in this series is ridiculous. And so it's a mix of sloppy play by Boston because neither one of their start like Jalen, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they're not ball handlers. Like, they can do stuff with the ball at times, but you're putting the ball in their hand in a situation where you need it in a ball handler's hand, and they're making dumb decisions, and they're turning the ball over, and they're playing sloppy. And then on the Heat side, it's either everything's clicking, games one and game three, or nothing's clicking, <laughs> game two and game four, where, in you know, injury's now playing a factor for Butler, you know, They've been a factor for Kyle Lowry, uh, Tyler Hero now having issues as well. Uh, but, you know, I, I know Butler isn't playing, but 
I don't care how you how you swing it. When you're starting five, get you 18 points in an Eastern in a conference finals game. There's a good chance you're losing that basketball game. So the Heat cannot do that again, uh, and they get to go home. It's a best of three now. Two of them back at their you know in their home court uh, where they're gonna try and play good basketball. I just want a game, Ryan. I want a game where both teams come to play. Give me a give me a battle. Give me something like we saw with Memphis and Golden State. Give me something like we saw with Milwaukee and Boston. Give me a game where they come to play on the same night. Yeah, give me people that are, you know, healthy or not missing games because their their babies are being born or something. I like I just want I want everybody available. I want a good game. I want to see who the better team is because I feel like Boston, like you said, feels like they're the better team. I feel like most people feel like Boston is the better team. But Miami is a team that has conquered this, you know, hump before. They've made the NBA Finals, and I think they have a better coach than the Celtics do. The Celtics probably have more talent. I just, but I do think the Heat are smarter. So I would like each of these teams for these last three games, this best of three series that we have now. I would like them to be healthy, and I would like them to, like you said, finally play some close basketball. Don't be down 18 points with eight minutes to go in the first half. Like, there's no there's no reason for it. You know, defend, make your shots, and uh, honestly, I want the refs to call less. You know, I'm not saying they're calling it in favor of one team or another. I just don't want so many fouls because some of these games have been hard to watch where you just, <laughs> like, you just hear the whistle. Then you go down on the court. You hear the whistle again. Then you go back and you hear the whistle. It's like, oh, my God, like, what is happening? So uh, that's, that's what I want. I want – less officiating, more health, and more, you know, uh, more of a back and forth, right? Not more competitiveness. I don't think any of these guys are, are quitting necessarily. I just want a closer basketball game and a closer conference finals. Yeah, that's a, not definitely no one is accusing either one of these teams of quitting. You know, I, I wouldn't say that. It's just sometimes they can't shoot to save their life and the other team can and, like, I just want a game where they can both shoot to save their life. And we're seeing a back and forth and bang, 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 back and forth. Let's go, you know, and just, you know, action and entertainment and, you know, some tensions. Like, I don't like either one of these teams. I like the Heat more than I like the Celtics. The Celtics are my most hated team in the NBA. And I hate that I picked them. I just feel like they are the better team. And I still think they're going to win this series in seven. I hope they don't. I hope Miami wins five and then wins game <laughs> six in Boston to make it even more embarrassing. I just don't see that happening uh, either way. I'm hoping the Golden State Warriors end up taking this all, all together. Uh, speaking of, Ryan, uh, 3 nothing Warriors. They did not follow the, uh, the same story of the Suns where they went, you know, looking great at home. And then they go into Dallas and they can't do anything. Nope. This is a different team. This is a different mentality. These are different stars. These are champions that have done it multiple times. And it showed in their medal, you know, they brought it game three. You know, complete opposite of game two where Dallas was taking it to them, you know, throughout the entire game. And then, you know, Golden State was able to, you know, pull it out in the end. But game two, game three, the Warriors just brought it. Team basketball, moving the ball and getting buckets and playing defense and just – you know, they, they didn't ever embarrass Dallas in this game, but they kept a steady diet of keeping them at arm's length and a big win to go up 3-0 and try and sweep this thing and get some rest. 
Yeah, and then we get to have the debate on whether they had too much rest while the other series goes seven games. <laughs> Which, that, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Um, the, the Warriors have been super impressive. One thing that I haven't liked about Dallas is the, the you know, the reaction to going down 3 Because it seems like they just came out and they're out here giving concession speeches Mm -hmm. and talking about, oh, we'll be back. This isn't the end for us. Like, let the series end first, please. Whether you get swept, whether you lose in five games, whether you scrap together the next two and then lose in six. Like, I don't want to hear about how you'll be back here and how you're such a young team until you actually lose the series. Like, please continue to fight another day which actually doesn't give me a whole lot of hope in game four. You know, I think it's really hard to sweep a team in the NBA and the Warriors themselves have shown uh, kind of a propensity to just be like lackadaisical about it because they know they're better than most of these teams that they face in the playoff series that they've been in, you know, since 2015 when they won their first title. But I don't know. I I think they are going to complete the sweep because I don't like what I, what I was hearing from the Mavs and for the Warriors, there's a couple like different people who have been stepping up. You know, Draymond hasn't played uh, so great, but Kevon Looney stepped up. Andrew Wiggins had the game of his life last game. You know, uh, Steph has been steady. Steph averaging 28, 8, and 7 on 49% from the field and 48% from the three against the Mavs in the first three games. And it's been just incredible to watch. Um because the Mavs, you know, they don't have an answer. And last game, the the biggest adjustment that, you know, you heard from game one was just make your shots. Because the Mavs missed uh, a whole bunch of open three-pointers. They did the same thing in game three. I think Bullock and Kleber were combined like 0-10 from uh, three. And those are two guys that you really depend on to be like your, your marksman. And if you're going to get zeros from those guys, then no, you're not going to win games because – you know, not only are you not letting Luca shoot the ball on those possessions, but you're, you know, you're missing it. So as great as Luca can be individually, we talked about it at the start of the series, the Warriors were going to try to, or the best strategy for the Warriors was to try to shut down everybody else and then let Luca kind of go crazy. And outside of game one, you know, that's what we saw in games two and three was him not having much help or him only having one other guy, right? Whether it was Brunson in game two, who, uh, you know, played really well that game, but the rest of the Mavericks are, are nowhere to be found. So there's not anything you can do. And against a team like Golden State, that is just not going to fly because not only do they have, you know, uh, probably one of the most cohesive teams ever. Honestly, I don't think it's one of the best teams ever, but they just have guys who have played together for so long in a system that they've been playing uh, in for so long. Um, I think it's just an easy way to play basketball, and Golden State has this particular system that they played, like, you know, mastered and down pat, and the Mavericks just are, uh, you know, in this case, I will say they are too young, uh, too young, too inexperienced to deal with all of that. It's so embarrassing when your superstar is making excuses at the podium. I'm only this young and, you know, I don't have the experience. Yeah, 23. I'm going to be there rough. again. You know, uh, and, and then even worse is when your Hall of Fame point guard head coach comes in and he's making concessions about yeah, this whole situation it. like that 
that got me more than Luca. Luca, I was like, come on, man. And then Jason Kidd gets in there, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, how are you talking like this? I understand, okay? 146 teams have gone down 0-3. Not a single one of them has ever won in seven. Three of them ever have forced a game seven. So I understand it's a it looms large, but it's going to be done at some point. It's happened multiple times in hockey. It's happened in the in Major League Baseball. It's going to happen at some point. Probably and I'd say it will happen at some point. Why not us? Have that mentality going into game four at home instead of laying down for the Warriors. Now, is it going to do that much for you? Probably not because Steph Curry is the most unselfish superstar maybe in the history of the NBA in his ability to not sh- look like he cares if his teammates are doing everything and he has an off night, the team wins. The team gels. They're moving the ball. Like it's like like you said, their system and how cohesive they are as a unit, it's just it's a beautiful thing to watch. And when you have a superstar like Steph Curry that, you know, is the opposite of a Michael or a Kobe in how much he doesn't care, or I mean, I'm t- I know he cares, but I'm talking about how he looks uh, on the court, yeah. where you can't tell that he's mad at his teammates about something at all. You knew when Kobe or MJ were not happy with someone on their team. It was very obvious. With Steph, no idea. He's letting it go, and the team is just jiving and playing beautiful basketball. Uh, I want to see more from Clay. I want to see him get back to you know, you know, game six Clay more often. Uh, you know these. These scoreless first halves are, are not fun for me to watch, you know, especially when, you know, you, when I'm putting money on Clay to do something and I'm not seeing anything at halftime. makes me a little nervous. And he goes the second half where I'm like, okay, good, he did it. But it's like, no, give me this the whole game, Clay. Come on. But this team is just, you know, this is why I root for this team. To, you know, they're fun to watch. I think they play the right way. It's an organically grown team for the most part. And they're just good at basketball, man. They're really, really good at basketball. And they're entertaining to watch while they're doing it. Yeah, the yeah the the Warriors are, you know, insane. They've been doing it for a, a very long time, and if they hit on Moody and Kaminga, they might be doing it for even even longer. And they have the luxury, like you said, of guys taking a game or a half off. You know, I know Clay last game had uh, nineteen right in, in game three, and played pretty well but you know the game before that again probably like zero points or just something where it's like oh like he's not doing anything tonight but then you have Steph you have Wiggins you have Jordan Poole guys who can carry the load offensively uh Kevon Looney I think he had 20 rebounds in, in one of these games so it's just you know they can hit you with a bunch of different ways and I think all everybody on the team is kind of bought into the Steph mentality of it doesn't matter if I'm the reason that we win as long as we win Right, because even as much as Draymond shows that he cares, and like if you can tell, he's mad at one of his teammates on the sideline. He like it doesn't seem like he ever cares if he has six points or if he is thirty. Like he's still as long as the Warriors win, that's the only thing that matters to them. And I think that trickles down to you know guys like Wiggins who didn't start off on this team, or a guy like Looney who his time with the Warriors has kind of been you know, uh, up and down and even, I think, in doubt at certain points. And I think that's probably the most impressive thing about this team is just that they've all bought in. And, yeah, I hate it. I hate it what Jason Kidd said so much. So, oh, my God. And, like, again, I get it for Luca, 
because you're a player, you probably feel like you're going to be here. I, I wouldn't say that. I would go with the canned response of, we don't even have to win all four of these games. We can one game at a time. We're focusing on game four. What can we do to win game four? Because if we don't win game four, we're certainly not getting to game seven. We're not even getting to game five. So, like, we got to focus on this one game and take it from there. You know, it's not even one game at a time. It's specifically game four right now. Yep. <laughs> and then after game four, we'll see what happens. Well, you know, being the selfish uh, sports fan that I am, I'm rooting for the Mavs in Game 4, so we have something else to talk about on Thursday. Uh, involving so the NBA. Uh, this and I know the NBA does as well. So don't be surprised if you see some whistles going uh, the way of the Mavericks. And before we yeah, sign Luka, off... Luca, 25 free throws. Yeah, right. Before we sign off, got to give props to Maple Jordan, Andrew Wiggins, for the dunk of the playoffs all over Luka Doncic. Absolutely beautiful, and the NBA tried to take it away from him with an offensive foul, which is <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how you could ever call that when the man's way up in the air already, uh, unless it's an obvious, egregious punch to the face or elbow to the neck or something. Uh, beautiful dunk by Andrew Wiggins over Luka Doncic. Uh, definitely, in my mind, the dunk of the playoffs. All right, Ryan, we got to get out of here. We got to uh, we got to watch this game and come back on Thursday. So. Thank you guys for hanging out with us on Throwing Stones. I'm Matt Fasson. Yep. He's Ryan Griffin. We'll see you guys again real soon. Yep, you too. Oh, 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 oh,